when God writes the story, it's filled with surprises. Like forgotten people get chosen. Underdogs win battles. And true friends share the journey. When God writes a story, lessons are learned in the wilderness. Fools are found out. And sometimes, the guilty go free. Making of a Giant Killer. Hey, welcome today to part two of the series, Making of a Giant Killer. More on that in just a moment. But man, I'm so grateful that you're taking time today to be with us, to join us in this moment. Uh, we're literally one church in hundreds of locations, and wherever you are, around the country, around the world, man, we are so honored that you are with us. If this is your first time, man, let us know that you're here. Click that connection card on our website, fill it out for us. Man, we would love to send you a free gift to say thanks for being our special guest, and our prayer is that your first time, it won't be your last time, and we're really honored that you're joining us today. Also, take a moment and download those sermon notes, and I think this, this service, this sermon will be really helpful for each and every one of us, and we are. We're in the middle of the series, Making of a Giant Killer, Understanding David's Path to Greatness, and today we're going to look at probably one of the most famous stories in all of your Old Testament. It's the story how David defeats the giant Goliath. And so maybe you've never heard that story before or you've heard it a hundred times. I'm excited to learn with you today as we dive in into this incredible, incredible story. Let's just learn a little bit about who Goliath is. And here it is in 1 Samuel 17. Turn your Bibles there. Verse 4, we kind of get the picture of Goliath. Then Goliath, that's his name, a Philistine champion from Gath. So, I mean, his name is really intimidating. Goliath from Gath, right? Came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. And he was over nine feet tall. I mean, just to even get the name Goliath, I mean, he must have been a giant baby, like a 12-pound baby just for his parents to name him that. And we're going to see... That everybody else was afraid, but David, this shepherd boy, steps up and faces the giant. And here's what I know is true for all of us, that all of us face giants in our life. And giants come in so many different shapes and sizes. Some of you today, you're tuning in, and man, there, there's a giant, like there's a relationship giant in your life, and you don't know how you're going to overcome it. And what happens about giants is they just seem so insurmountable. They're either gonna run away, we're gonna like, avoid it, or we're gonna face it head on. And, and maybe your giant today, it's a relationship giant. Or maybe it's a kid, like you're just struggling with one of your children and you don't know how you're, this is gonna work out and it's just, it's a giant in your life. Maybe it's a work project, difficult people. Maybe it's a mountain of debt that you're dealing with right now and it just seems like a giant. And, what you've been doing, I mean, you've been avoiding it, you've been sweeping it under the rug, hoping it's going to go, you know, go away. And by the way, that never happens. But today we're going to see how David faces a literal physical giant, but how it applies to each and every one of us that 
we too can face the giant with God's help and we can slay it and we can overcome it. I'm excited for what we're gonna learn here. Let's just pick up the story. So we know that David is nine feet tall, or I'm sorry, that Goliath is nine feet tall. We kind of get the picture, and the story continues. And Goliath wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat was of mail, weighed over 125 pounds. <laughs> just think of that. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder, and the shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead. That, just of itself, weighed 15 pounds. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a Shield. I mean, just a massive dude in every, every conceivable way, just massive. Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. So get the picture, there's a valley. On one side you have the Philistine army, on the other side you have the Israelite army. And so Goliath, head and shoulders above everybody else, shouts a taunt to the Israelites and says, why are you all coming out to fight? I am the Philistine champion but you are only the servants of Saul, just taunting them. Choose one man. So let's not even worry about armies going to war. Like, I'll fight one of you. Like, choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, man, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you will be our slaves. He continues and says, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were deeply shaken, which is really no surprise because that's exactly what giants do to us, don't they? They scare us. They terrify us. And ultimately what happens is that we run away from the giants that we deal with in our life. And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. The story continues in verse 24. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in, in fright. And so as the story unfolds in your Bible, David, who's home with Jesse, we, we heard about that last week, David's three older brothers are on the battlefield and Jesse sends David with food and supplies for his brothers and David shows up and he sees the scene unfolding and he begins to think, what in the world is happening here? Like what, how can I step up? Like this, this isn't right. He, he begins to identify, this isn't right. And David begins to make a decision. He decides, I am going to face the giant, instead of running away like everybody else, David makes the decision, it's me, I, I am going. We see how David really gives us the blueprint, gives us the game plan, how we can face and really overcome the giants in our life. This is how we did it. I mean, just here's the first thing. David asked the soldier standing nearby, like what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Like David's actually really annoyed. Like what will happen? Who is the, he just gets, kind of gets mad about this situation, mad at Goliath. Who is this pagan, this godless Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Here's the first thing that you have to know. When you're facing the giant, David shows us the first thing is always compare the size of your giant with the size of your God. I love this. 
Always compare the size of your giant with the size of your God. David is the only person who had an accurate view of the giant. Everybody else saw the giant for who he was, head and shoulders of everybody else. I mean, just ripped, six pack. I mean, just in the gym, 10 hours a day. That's what everybody else saw, but David had an accurate assessment of who Goliath was because David, or David compared Goliath to the God of Israel. It, it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing. Even as the story unfolds and David is on the battlefield with Goliath, look what he says to the giant right to his face. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. Like he says, this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. David understood if I compare you to the greatness of my God, like I don't care how big you are, I don't care how insurmountable it seems or how much you taunt us, when I compare this giant to the greatness of my God, my God wins every single time. And I wonder, what would it be like for you, right, when you're facing your giant, to pray this prayer, like this is the Lord's battle. I don't have to worry about it. I know who my God is. This is the Lord's battle, and regardless of the size of this giant, may I compare it to my God, it's nothing. I, I think David probably went back and, and he remembered the stories of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, and Moses, and Joshua, and he saw how God delivered his people like just the rear view mirror of the history of Israel just saw how God over and over and over again delivered his people. And David stands up and says, ma'am, I know who my God is and I know who you are and you're nothing compared to the greatness of my God. This is such an incredible point. What if the next time you're faced with your giant or maybe you're facing your giant right now, what if you begin to compare this, pray this prayer, like write this to the side, like make, screenshot this, like make this your prayer, like write to God, like you are the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. You're the God of Moses and Joshua. You're the God of David, and you are the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And when you begin to put into perspective all that God has done in the history, like in this battle, this giant that I'm facing right now, man, like, like it's nothing, like nothing compared to your power. And I am going to defeat this giant. David gives us the blueprint. The first thing that we have to do is we have to compare our giant, right? Compare him to our God, and our God wins every single time. It's an incredible, an incredible point. Here's the second thing that David shows us. David shows us that, hey, you have to have courage to face the big giants, but Ultimately, that courage comes from defeating the small giants, the small giants in your life. So get the picture. David says, I'm the guy, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. People begin to like criticize him, and, and David goes to Saul, King Saul, and says, I, I'm the guy. I can do this. And David says, you're out of your mind, David. There's no way. Like, you're just a little shepherd boy. Like, he's, he's too big for you. But, but look what David says. David persisted, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. I've been a shepherd, you're right. 
And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, like I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, guess what I did? Like I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this. This is what David says to Saul. I've done this to both lions and bears and guess what? I am gonna do this to the pagan Philistine too for he has defiled the armies of the living God. You know what David's saying? <laughs> David's saying, I've been doing this since I've been five years old. These little battles that I've won have prepared me for this, this moment. You parents, you understand to build confidence and courage with your kids, like it takes, it takes time. We recently have taught our five-year-old how to ride her bike without training wheels, kind of a big deal. And we didn't start on a gravel hill, right? No, we started teaching her at the park across the street from our house on grass. Like, and she would go maybe 50 to 100 feet, and then she'd fall over. But we knew if she fell over on grass, like it wouldn't hurt her. But she was building confidence and courage to go a little bit further, and then she'd turn her bike, and on and on it went. And now, after several weeks of that, she is a bike-riding machine. She's a maniac. I mean, she goes everywhere, no fear, because she has all this confidence and courage. You know, if you're teaching your boy how to play basketball, you don't start with the hoop at 10 feet, you start it at six feet. You build their confidence and their courage. And as they get better and as their confidence increases, you raise, you raise it. I mean, it's just part of what being a parent is all about. Right now, because our gym has been closed for the last month, I decided that I was gonna run more outside with my wife. And it's amazing to me that I think that I'm getting better, but in fact, this week, I ran a 5K, 3.1 miles, and I thought it was a really good time. But when I came back home, I realized that I just ran three miles as fast as I could, and it still wasn't as fast as the miles that my wife runs when she runs a full marathon, right? And it's really humiliating and I get discouraged and I think, man, I'm never gonna get fast. And so my wife bought me this, this running watch and she's like, Jared, just little by little, day after day, keep plugging along, keep going after it, just build that confidence. So ultimately one day you'll just get faster and maybe, she, she didn't say this, but this is what I'm thinking, maybe one day I'll actually be able to beat her in, in a race. And let me tell you, church, if that day ever happens, you will be the first to hear it. I will shout it from the rooftops that I beat my wife in a running race. I mean, can you imagine, right? But no, the idea is you're never gonna get there day one. It's day by day. We talked about this last week. It's doing the little things consistently. Day. In fact, John Maxwell says this. This is such a good quote. What matters most is what you do day by day over the long haul. And, and we see this in David's life. David's been preparing for this moment, even as a young shepherd boy, taking care. Everybody thought it was such a menial task taking care of sheep and goats, but David saw, man, this is preparing me for what God has next. Courage in the little things, build your courage for the big things, to slay the giants. So here, let me tell you, the, 
the details of your life, the little things that you think don't matter, it matters. Don't give up. Don't give up in the dull and the boring. Keep moving. Keep going forward. Keep plowing the, the hard ground. It is preparing you for what to, is, is to come. It's an incredible thought. Here's number three. I'm going to hurry. But we see this in David's life. To overcome your giant and just, just, just get ready for criticism. I wish I could be more encouraging about this, but this is all over this chapter in your Bible. David makes a decision. Like, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to, nobody else, nobody else is gonna do this, but I am going to step up. I'm going to defeat this giant. And what does everybody do? (laughs) Everybody begins to hurl criticism at him. Which, by the way, when you're a leader and you step up and you're gonna defeat the giant in your life, like, you should expect criticism. I wish it wasn't true, I wish it wasn't the case, but it just is. When you lead a charge, when you're gonna tackle some giants in your life, there will be people who will criticize you. David got it from, all, from everybody. He got it from his family. Pick up the story in verse 28 of chapter 17. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, we, we heard about him last week, he, you know, everybody looked at the outward appearance and he was the total package. His name in Hebrew means you demand, right? Like he, he has it all. Like he heard David talking to the men about what, hey, if I do this, what would I get? And Eliab, his older brother, was angry. He says, what are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few, this is just criticizing him, insulting him. Aren't you just a little shepherd boy, David? Those few, (laughs) those menial little sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of. I know about your pride and your deceit. I mean, think of the insults and the criticism. Think about that. You, you You just wanna see the battle. And that wasn't true, that was unfounded. David was there because Jesse, his father, sent him there with supplies for Eliab and his two other brothers. That wasn't true at all, but when you take a step and I'm gonna defeat this giant, man, expect the criticism. So he gets it from his family. And by the way, you, you look back through, through, through your Bible, anytime people try to achieve great things for God, I mean, criticism came. Jesus was criticized by his family. They, they thought he was out of his mind. Take him away, they said. I just want you to know, I, I, don't, I wish this wasn't true, but it is. Like, when you're gonna fight a giant, expect criticism, get ready for it. We not only see Eliab, but we also see Saul, a friend at this point, and an ally. He says, don't be ridiculous, David. Like, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a little boy, and he's been a man of war since his since his youth, so his family, his friends are criticizing him. And ultimately, we see Goliath criticize him. Goliath is sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He was, Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you would come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. I, I put this in the sermon because I want you to know that when you decide enough's enough, I've had enough of this giant in my life and I'm going to step out and I'm going to, I'm going to face it. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to run away from it. Like I am going to face it. Just get ready for the criticism. And David actually gives us a really insightful key of what to do when criticism comes because sometimes criticism can be helpful. It can show you some blind spots in your life. Don't, don't throw away all the criticism. So this is what David did. When his brother um, criticized him, go to the next one, sorry. Um, when David when criticized him, like David asked the question, like, well, what have I done? 
I, I was only asking a question. Like, what have I done to deserve this criticism? So he walked over to some of the others and he asked them the same thing and he received the same answer. We see that David actually says, okay, I'm gonna go ask somebody else. I'm not just gonna take your criticism, but I'm gonna see if maybe this is true. Ask somebody else. And what I love as the story unfolds is you see that David didn't allow the criticism to derail the vision that God gave him or the dreams that God put in his life or the idea to, to tackle this giant. The criticism was there and we see how David, he responded to it, he asked other people, got other opinions, and then began to move on. He didn't allow the criticism to detract him from what God wanted him to accomplish. And let me encourage you, don't allow the haters, because the haters gonna hate, hate, hate. Don't allow the haters to detract all that God has for your life. Amen, everybody? Come on, I, I know you're cheering with me that your pastor just quoted some Taylor Swift in church. Here's the fourth point, I'm gonna hurry. Um, when you step up, this, this is when it gets fun. David shows us this, that when you step up, guess what happens? God will show up. That when you say, enough's enough, I'm done, you take that first step, I'm telling you, that's where God meets you. I, I love what David said, because David said, listen, it's the Lord, it isn't me, it isn't my power, my strength. No, it's the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, and guess what? He will rescue me from this Philistine. I'm gonna step up, but ultimately that's when God shows up. It's an incredible thing. And I don't know what, what your lion and your bear is. I mean, maybe your giant is your marriage. And maybe it's really, really difficult and you're this close of throwing in the towel, I'm telling you, like, like step up. Like, kind of like David, like say, enough's enough. Like, we are going to fix this. We're gonna call a counselor. We're gonna get on a Zoom call, with the, whatever the case is, like, and you're gonna step up, and you're gonna expect God to show up in that moment. Or maybe it's just this financial burden, and debt is crushing you, and enough is enough and you're gonna step up, and you're gonna get on a budget, and you're gonna go through financial peace. And I'm telling you, when you step up, that's where God meets you. It's an incredible point. Come on, when you step up, God shows up. Don't allow the lion and the bear to have control over your life any longer. When you step up, God shows up. And here's the fifth point. I want you to write this in your notes. That your disadvantage can become your advantage. That what you think, this perceived disadvantage, I mean, it actually can become your advantage. Because everybody thought, David, you're just a boy. Pfft, what do you know? You can't even fit into real armor, David. Like, you're just gonna walk out there with just a sling and some stones? Oh, David, that's such, that's such a disadvantage. And here's the point, Goliath, he wanted David like the hand-to-hand -hand combat. Goliath wanted to slice and dice David and feed him to the birds. But David was so smart, David knew better. David knew, hey, I may be small and I may only have a sling. In fact, here's just a picture of a sling of what maybe it looked like. I mean, it's not much. Everybody, of course, would mock this. Like, you're just coming to me with a stick and a sling and you're what, four feet, five inches tall, this disadvantage. You gotta know in this day, a skilled slinger could 
could, could hit a target 200 yards away. Just amazing what they could do with, with a stone or you know, what we would say, like maybe a golf ball. I, I can remember, I don't know why my parents ever did this, but they gave my brother and me like the, you know, the slings, this, just a pullback for, for Christmas. And my parents, rightfully so, said, hey, no rocks, no marbles, no golf balls, just use like marshmallows or ping pong balls. And how many of you wanna know? Like you pull back a ping pong and you let it go. I mean, we would walk upstairs, right? And we would have welts all over our bodies from just ping pong balls. And imagine, imagine the damage that you could do with, with a golf ball. It's a, it's a real thing. So, so, here, so here's what happens, right? So, so this is a disadvantage. Picture the scene. Israelites on one side, the Philistines on the other. Goliath is out here with his hundreds of pounds of armor, nine feet tall, and David walks out with a sling and five smooth stones. And David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with all that stuff, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and a sling. And as the story unfolds, David puts one of those smooth rocks in that sling and he begins to fling it over and over again and he releases it and it hits Goliath right between the eyeballs and Goliath falls and David has the victory and the Philistines now become the slaves to the Israelites. It's an incredible, it's an incredible story. And I wonder today as we close this service, what is your disadvantage? What do you think? Man, I've blown it. This area of my life made it such a disadvantage. And I want you to ask the question, God, could you turn my disadvantage into, into an advantage? When everybody thinks I'm washed up or it's impossible or this is never gonna work, I'm telling you with God's help, it can become an advantage because when you step up, that's when God shows up. I, I know people who have had awful and terrible divorces and they don't wish it on anybody. But after seasons of healing now, what was perceived to be a huge disadvantage, now it's become an advantage in their life and they are now ministering to people who are going through a divorce. Yeah, it's a disadvantage, but now it's actually become the advantage. Dave Ramsey, the financial peace guy, perfect example of this. I mean, his advantage now where he's helping millions of people find financial freedom was birthed out of bankruptcy and losing it all. Everybody thought it was a disadvantage, but I'm telling you, what is your disadvantage that can become your advantage? When you step up, that's where God, God shows up. Right now, all of us would consider this season of our life to be a disadvantage. But maybe, maybe this is actually an advantage. This six feet of social distancing, maybe the advantage would be the, hey, how do we build a six foot bridge to minister to people? Instead of always thinking of it as a disadvantage, maybe this is actually an advantage for us I'm having more conversations with my neighbors right now than ever before. 
it's forced us to build a six foot bridge. And I wonder, like, what is that for you? Stop thinking of everything as a disadvantage. And when you step up, God shows up. I'm telling you, it actually becomes an advantage. It's an amazing thing. This, this what's happening here at Trinity Church, what we would perceive to be a disadvantage that we can't meet together, I'm telling you, God is using it. We are hearing from people all over saying, man, I haven't stepped foot in a church in 20 years. I've been hurt in my past. I'll never step foot in a church, but, but I'll tune, like, and when I tune in, like God is doing a new work and a fresh work in my life. I'm telling you, church, what is considered a disadvantage? No, 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 no. When we step up, God shows up, it becomes, it becomes an advantage. And you have to believe that. And I want you to write this to the side of your notes and, and then we're done. But one little stone and the power of God, that's what we're seeing with, with David. Total disadvantage should never be Goliath, but one little stone and the power of God. You gotta believe this church, it is stronger than any giant you will ever face. Come on, one little stone and the power of God is stronger than any giant you will ever face. But I want you to leave your notes right there. Don't put them away, don't, don't, don't just turn us off. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now. Bow your head and close your eyes right where you are, in your room, in your apartment. Come on, right now, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Come on, what is, what is that giant in your life? I mean, you, you're picturing it, you know exactly what it is. And it has had the power and the control over you. Maybe you're just like the Israelites, you've been running in fear. But today, come on, I want you in faith to make the decision that you're gonna face your giant head on. Not in your own power, not in your own strength. But come on, you're gonna allow, you're gonna invite God into this experience right now. And you're gonna step up, God's gonna show up and what you perceive to be a disadvantage, I'm telling you, God is going to do the miracle in your heart and in your life. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives right now in this moment. But I pray that strongholds will break, that we're not gonna run away in fear anymore, that giants are gonna fall. We invite you right now into this moment to do a healing work in our hearts and our lives. We are not gonna be held captive by the giants anymore. Break every chain in Jesus' name. And with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, maybe some of you tuning in right now, you would say, Pastor, like, I am so far from God. And you know you are. And listen, there's no shame, there's no guilt, no condemnation, like none of that. But you just simply know, like today I'm far from God. And you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I mean, you can't even put words around it, but you know, you know today that you need to give your heart fully to God. And I'm telling you, you are just one sincere moment away from allowing God to have control of your life. Maybe you've been going your own way, you've been keeping God at a distance, but today you wanna stop, you wanna give your heart fully to Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gospel, that God loves you. He's not mad at you today, that he has a great plan and a purpose for your life. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin. The Bible says, if you believe that, like that's where it begins. That's where you receive everlasting life. And some of you today, you know, you need to give your heart and your life to God. So right where you are, if that's you, just pray this prayer right where you are. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. Just tell them that. Say, today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you for the hope that I have in him. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Maybe today some are praying that prayer for the very first time. Maybe it's a recommitment prayer. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, I pray today that we'll have faith, that we will be people of faith and not fearful of the giants in our life. And thank you in advance for the victory that's ours through Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen and amen. I know church, come on, you're cheering, you're clapping for people who just said yes to Jesus. I mean, if that's you, you just prayed that prayer with me, and maybe that's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer, or maybe today you're just recommitting your life to the Lord. Hey, fill out the connection card and just check that box and just say, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I mean, again, we're not gonna take advantage of any of the information you provide. We simply just wanna give you an email, giving you some clear next steps of what to do with your faith in Jesus. And man, we are so proud of you. You just made the most important decision of your life, and we can't be more excited, more excited for you. So fill that out, check that box, let us know, and our team will be in connection with you, with you this week. And church, let me just tell you, how proud I am of each and every one of you. For you that are going online and doing your virtual, virtual small groups and getting connected and plugged in and hearing stories of how you're loving your neighbor well during this season, man, I, I'm, I'm such a proud pastor. I know I can't wait until we gather back together again whenever that time is, but man, right now, you are the church. The church isn't a building when the church is people um, who are called and committed to this mission. And so way to go. Like you, are, you, are, you are the church and you're loving people so well during this time. So, so keep it up. And church, I'm gonna offer, give you the opportunity right now to continue to worship the Lord through the giving of your tithes and offerings. And yeah, we clap, we cheer for that here because God loves a cheerful giver and we serve a give first God. So we're gonna be a give first people. And so thank you for going online and giving or sending in your giving, your generosity, your tithe through the mail, your bill pay. However you're doing that right now, thank you for your continued generosity. In fact, so many people have already given to COVID-19. So if you go on the website and go to give and the drop down, it's COVID-19 assistance. Every dollar that you give will go directly out of our doors to help people in our church that may have lost a job, have a financial need, or help our community partners who are doing amazing work. And so, man, way to go. Thank you for your amazing generosity in this season. All right, I'm gonna pray a blessing over you. 
Um, thanks for being with us today, wherever you are. I'm so honored that you would invite us into your home for this moment. And I, now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bless your people, that you'll fill them with faith today, that your grace and your peace and your favor will rest upon them. And I pray that they will have the best Sunday afternoon that they've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I love you. Come on, keep signing in every week. I can't wait to see you soon. God bless you.